Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. G'day. Welcome to High Resolution. I'm Chris Button, Biteside content producer. Rogue Legacy walked so Hades could run. Now, nearly 10 years after the original, Rogue Legacy 2 is another shining example of the highly replayable roguelike genre. Today, I'm joined by Cellador Games co-founder and designer Teddy Lee to detail the tricky path to capturing success a second time. From finding popularity with Rogue Legacy, the commercial struggles of the studio's follow-up in Full Metal Furies, to the surprisingly emotional early access journey of Rogue Legacy 2, Teddy explains it all. Also, there's a little discussion about the studio's early Flash games, including Don't Shit Your Pants, a game we've all played IRL at some point in our lives. We start our chat talking about what got Teddy into the games industry. Yeah, I mean, more or less, like, when I was, like, super young, like, six or so, uh, I knew that I wanted to get into game development, like, since then. It's just something that really clicked with me. And, uh, like, ever since then, I was just, like, always directing myself to, like, how do we get into games, how to get into games on, on the education front. So it was never something I really had to, had to like, find my way into, which I'm grateful for. Yeah, out of curiosity, because I know here in Australia there are a few pathways to game development and some some formal courses and different forms of education one can go through to uh, you know get get through to the industry. What what pathways are there in in Canada? Are there many places that you can go to to learn game development, or is it more of you you learn by doing and trying? So when when I was growing, I'm pretty old now, uh, but when I was growing up, the only way to get in was like either through programming, right? Cause like that's the way for everybody or to get into DigiPen. And like, so I tried to get into DigiPen, but it was actually really, really hard. Like the, the grades are pretty high. And uh, it also cost a ridiculous amount of money. Like even if I, I got in, it would have been too expensive. Uh, so I just started making games on the side and then went into programming where I tried to get into programming uh since I was like really my only way in and even though I have like some kind of weird degree in university it didn't help I can't program like I'm the worst programmer it's like absolutely against me uh but I kept making games when I was a kid and um that's actually how I got my first job which was at like this uh children's game company called Webkins uh I was like one of the few applicants who had like demos and stuff which put me like 
way ahead of everybody else, which was like super helpful. They didn't even look at my university degree. Like they didn't care. They were just like, oh, you've made games and you've got like this portfolio. And then that's how I got in at the start. And what game, whether one that you've worked on or one that you've played, has had the most influence on your career to date? I guess the first ones would probably be the um, all the adventure games I played as a kid, like King's Quest and stuff. Because like, uh, my entire family was obsessed with them, so we played like all of them. And uh, when I was working at that that kid that that Webkins, uh, I, I I we decided me and my brother to just make a flash game on the side, like on our own, and that was Don't Shit Your Pants, which was like this <laughs> flash game from way long ago. Um, and it went super viral and that like that totally cemented us doing our side projects me and my brother were like okay well we can do this we can like we can make games we weren't making it for money we were just making it like if people liked it and um you know we just kept going and going and going so when we switched over to like rogue legacy and stuff like like switching over to actual like hey can we get some money for these games now <laughs> it was actually like um we had so much experience by then, right? Like a lot of people go, oh, Rogue Legacy is our first game. But no, it's like our fifth or sixth at this point. Um, so yeah, a huge part of that was just because of the adventure games. Um, but then for Rogue Legacy, I would actually say that the biggest one was um, Dungeons of Dreadmore, which is this weird game. Nobody's heard of it. It's a roguelike. And uh, when we were making Rogue Legacy, before it was going to be a Metroidvania, and um, it was just too expensive, right? So we were like, oh, man, we went in over our heads. Uh, I was playing Dungeons of Dreadmore, which is a roguelike. And I've never actually played the genre before then. And I was like, oh, hey, this is really cool. We could probably convert what we've got right now into a roguelike and save on, which was our biggest bottleneck at the time, which was art, right? Because when it's procedural, people don't really care. Like, you know, you're going to custom areas. And like that completely pivoted the project, which, you know, led to Rogue Legacy and everything. So those two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's interesting. Um, so when, when when you did come across Dungeons of Dreadmore and, as you say, working on, on Rogue Legacy and making that pivot to a more of a procedural generation, roguelike sort of uh, sort of structure. How how much of a pivot was that? Did that require much reworking to what you already had to sort of fit fit the new direction? Luckily, not because like the way the at least the way it works for me and and my brother that when he he makes the engine, he makes the tools and everything. So I like when I'm using them, I have a general idea of what where we can pivot to, right? So like I I we started up, we knew what we had built, which was like the big portion of what we had finished with a level editor, which was just, you know, creating rooms and then you could connect them together. Right. So I was like, okay, so how hard would it be instead of, you know, connecting A to B to C every single time to do A to some random number to some random number to some random number. And I think Kenny, who uh, my brother uh, was like, Oh, uh, did it in about two weeks. Like it was rough, oh, yeah. but if he did it in two weeks because like we already kind of knew how the stuff worked. So it wasn't like this massive scrap everything. We never do that. We, we try never to scrap like major stuff like that. So we knew that we could pivot pretty easily on that. Um, which was lucky, which was lucky because yeah, the, the level editor was great. Um, we built 360 or, or some 600 something rooms, right? So we knew that it was fast. So 
that's so we're just like leaning into what the level editor could do yeah and when when rogue legacy did launch and i know it then um launched on subsequent platforms in in the following years what what was the reception and, and reaction because i know the the critical reaction was quite warm to to rogue legacy what was the the reception with the general public uh it was, it was super positive it was super positive like people really liked it um it was kind of like a gateway game to other roguelikes because roguelikes weren't like popular yet they hadn't uh gone in popular uh like exploded um and they were all extremely difficult like right off the bat like Splunky and Binding of Isaac I think were the like the only other two I think like they were uh, or and then you got all like the you know the uh Dwarf Fortress and stuff which was super duper hard and so we already always knew that like Rogue Legacy was kind of the the uh our, the gateway into it right like just the the simplified version um and the, it's kind of weird it's always the same it's like the reaction is super positive it's super positive and then people go more hardcore and they're like oh well now i don't like this portion of rogue legacy because it's too childish or it's too kiddish and i was like oh, whatever <laughs> i don't mind well that, that's one thing about Celador games sort of catalogue in general is that there, there is this this whimsical sense of humour and a, a little bit of a mix of highbrow and lowbrow humour. I mean, it's it's right there off the bat with, you know, the original Flash games with Don't Shit Your Pants, throughout Rogue Legacy, Full Metal Furies, that there's all sorts of, you know, lots of jokes and humour and lots of colour text as well. How would you describe your your sense of humour, or what what influenced this this sense of humour? Because it's it's something that seems so effortless when you play the game. That the, the games from Celador Games are just effortlessly funny. Well, it's not easy. <laughs> we we <laughs> write a lot of our jokes. Um, I I just uh, I I just like to write uh, I, I like to write the jokes. Um, or I guess we have like a high high amount of uh, like one liners and stuff. Uh, just because uh, whenever I'm writing in anything, like descriptions and everything, uh, if I find it boring, right, to like to write, then I feel like the audience will find it boring to read. Uh, so we always try to, uh, we always just end up like, you know, trying to put in as many jokes as possible. I've tried to reduce it, um, you know, just like, oh, this is a serious moment. And so let's get serious. And it's definitely difficult. Uh, but yeah, no, it's just something that we just, right. I think people would be surprised at how much we edit our work <laughs> for these stupid jokes. Yeah, yeah, of course. But then there's always room for like the very famous trait system in the Rogue Legacy games for, uh, you know, traits like IBS, which quite literally give your hero the, the superpower of farting, which I, I just think is wonderful. <laughs> Yeah, it's just low brow humor. <laughs> That's just yeah. stuff we like. Um, so then, following Rogue Legacy was uh, a bit of bit of a departure that that still retains some of that rogue light core with with Full Metal Furies, which was this very clever hybrid puzzle brawler game. And what what sort of led or connected Rogue Legacy to, to Full Metal Furies? How how did that game come about? It came about because my brother wanted to make a brawler. <laughs> and so we were like, mm -hmm. okay, well, let's just make a brawler. Um, I will say that uh, I still think to this day, I, I think uh, he wouldn't even consider it a brawler. 
at this <laughs> point because it kind of veered so far away. Uh, but that's generally how we do a lot of our projects. Uh, we just go, oh, let's work in a genre. And then we uh, put our own spin on it. The only thing we haven't done, I think we've done a lot of games. We've done like adventure and and uh, shmups and roguelikes and brawlers and everything. Is that we usually only work in genres we don't like, which is kind of a weird thing. But it's like I also feel like uh, when you work in a genre you don't like, you you're, you're willing to put more to the table, so they become a little more distinct. Uh, it would be kind of neat, I think, one day to work on a genre we actually enjoy. But yeah, there's really no rhyme or reason to how FMF came about. It was literally just let's make a brawler, and then we went okay, and just started on day one. It's a fascinating way to approach game development by tackling genres that you don't traditionally like and bringing elements to it that you perhaps would like to play. So what what are some genres that you would like to tackle then? What what are genres that you typically do enjoy or would would enjoy playing outside of games that you develop? I don't know. I like MOBAs. <laughs> but that's not something we'll ever make. That's like a million trillion hours and dollars. Uh, but it would, I know, I, it would be cool to make like a mobile character, I guess. Uh, but honestly, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. There's a lot, I, I feel like, um, a lot of genres are pretty stagnant. I do want to make a, um, well, I did want to make, I should say, for the longest time, a, uh, a turn based strategy game because I felt like those, especially like, like the FCOM, XCOM style games are really, really stagnant. Uh, but then Into the Breach came around, and I was just like, yeah, they kind of knocked it out of the park. <laughs> so it's like, now nah, I lost interest in that genre because <laughs> I like it now. Yeah. So then um, coming come back to, to Full Metal Furies, I um, I recall playing that at, at launch and really, really enjoying, again, as as you say, some of those elements that were very much a departure from traditional brawler territory uh, but I, I do recall reading at the time this this rather heartbreaking interview with Destructoid where I know at the time shortly after launch the team did consider a, a bit of a failure uh, not long after launch because it just failed to connect with an audience but I do recall reading since that it did find quite a strong Korean following so with with a bit of distance now between the release of Full Metal Furies and now. What what are your feelings and, and thoughts on Full Metal Furies overall? Because I know from what I've read that you believe it to be a, a good game that just didn't quite connect with audiences. So how how has it gone since and how do you feel about the game? I still really like Full Metal Furies. I think it's like an awesome game. Would I make it again? Probably not. <laughs> um, but uh, I it did help me a lot. Uh, learn a lot regarding uh, pacing and I guess uh, genre bending or genre mixing. Mm. I mean, it's hard to say. I really, I really do. I really like the game. I think it did a lot. I also think out of all of the games we've released, it's made probably some of the biggest mistakes. And it was also a huge learning lesson in, in like biting off more than you could chew. Because uh, we added online multiplayer to that game. And it just... The cascading effects that had on development and costs is, like, unbelievable. 
it's hard to say. It's been so long. It's <laughs> so long for us, at least. When did you first notice that Full Metal Furies had had picked up a uh, a following in in Korea? Oh, uh, through Twitter, just people started um, enjoying it uh, and, and and talking about it and in Korean, and then they they contacted us, and um, yeah, it just kind of like grew from there. It's nothing like super like Full Metal Furies made uh, broke even. Thank you. Like, uh, it took a while, but it broke even. So I'm super grateful for that. Uh, but yeah, it was just really just them, uh, people in Korea is talking about it on Twitter and, and really liking the game, really liking the writing, which makes me think, thank gosh, because <laughs> there's probably something lost in translation, which makes them <laughs> appreciate it more than how it was written in English. Um, but no, no, no. Yeah. It was just, uh, it was just uh, this thing that just kind of grew, and um, you know, we contact. They contacted us. They they wanted to write a translation, and then that translation got more fans, and then it like just kept, like kind of just slowly growing from there. So then, with with Rogue Legacy two opting for the early access route to development, at at what point did you decide that you would work on a Rogue Legacy sequel? Was that something that you had in mind from from the very beginning after finishing the first one or did your work on full metal furies inform that at all um no 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 we wanted to make rogue legacy 2 for a while uh well i just didn't want to do it right away right hmm. like be super tired and um uh full metal furies uh expedited it a little Right, because we kind of were like, uh oh, we got to start on project three, right? Because <laughs> it didn't make any money. Um, but uh, yeah, we always had plans, and there were so many things we wanted to 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 fix when we launched Rogue Legacy One. Like, I, I uh, people sometimes, like especially nowadays, like people keep comparing us, like, oh, compared to game X Y Z, like Rogue Legacy is really showing its age and stuff. And I'm like, dude, you know, game X Y Z has a team that's 15 times larger than us. Right. And they took three years and we spent a year and a half, most of it part time. Like that game was really, really like it had no budget. Right. We were making it off of our whatever we had saved from our, you know, regular low paying jobs. So it's it's just weird. But um, yeah, so when we went to Rogue Legacy 2, uh, there were a lot of things we wanted to change. Um, and another thing, big reason we wanted to do the sequel is because uh, we wanted to switch to Unity. And we don't have any experience with Unity. And working on an, a pre-existing IP, right, where a lot of the roadmap doesn't have to be discovered, just is really helpful, which is also why we went to early access, because we always wanted to kind of try it, you know, kind of dabble in it. Um, and uh, doing it with a sequel is just a lot safer as well. So there was a huge amount of reasons to do Rogue Legacy 2 when, when we did it. Yeah. What, what were some of those things you wanted to address from the original Rogue Legacy in Rogue Legacy 2? Um, okay, so the, the two biggest things that like really annoyed me uh, was one, the traits, right? I, I, I mean, that was, we actually like, uh, in Rogue Legacy 1, you get 30% more gold for Vertigo. Mm. Uh, so like we already had that idea, but um, just because of the way we, we coded things, because you know, you're, you're making the game on the fly, we couldn't retroactively add it to everything. It was like way too difficult. Uh, 
So we were, I was, that was like number one. I was like, okay, we got to put in gold. We got to do this so that trade always stays interesting. There was a ton of trades we didn't really like either. Um, the other major thing that I always wanted to tackle, and this is a, um, just more like behind the scenes, was the... Uh, so in Rogue Legacy 1, the only way to get double jump and dash was through runes, right? Like you can equip these runes and put them all on. Uh, but one of these rules we have, like whenever we make games is like you have to be able to beat a boss or a stage without taking damage with the most basic character possible, right? So that meant for Rogue Legacy 1, uh, I played the entire game without dash and without double jump. And that really kind of really like stagnates the complexities you can add to the game, right? So I knew like, okay, when Rogue Legacy 2 came about, that's what the, why the heirloom system came. Right, people go, oh, why did you put an heirloom? Why is Dash an heirloom now? Like the whole reason is so that we can still take, stay true to like, you know, our design philosophies of saying, okay, I now know I will have Dash and I will have double jump. So now I can make, you know, bosses and encounters that much more interesting. Um, so that was like the second major thing. And then the third major thing, and this thing was so annoying, was our relic system. So, you know, in Rogue Legacy 1, the relic system was super, super bare. And you could only equip one at a time. And I was like, I was like, oh, we should change it so you can just equip multiple. But we couldn't do that at the, that point because relics went into an inventory and the inventory was of size one. And it was like be so much work and we only had like five relics. So it didn't really matter. Uh, so when you like we rehauled that completely when the, when the sequel came along. So those were like the three core things we uh, knew we were going to change on day one. With with going for the early access path, firstly, what what inspired the decision to go for early access with Rogue Legacy Two? We just wanted to try it. <laughs> that's that's yeah. really it. We're like, we'll try it. If we like it, we'll do it for future projects. If we can't stand it or whatever, uh, then we'll just you know put it on the wayside. <laughs> that was literally it. Fair enough. I mean, that's as good of reason as any. Uh, it's it's interesting because I did did read a, a very good article on digital trends where where you discussed the sort of surprising emotional roller coaster of the the early access journey of Rogue Legacy Two in terms of putting work out there for people to to give feedback on and, and react to that. So, what what were some of the 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 biggest pieces of of feedback that? shaped Rogue Legacy 2 going forward? There, there was a lot of things that happened. Uh, well, I guess the first thing I would say to anybody who wants to make an early access game is you should you should launch with like 75% of the game done. We don't play early access games. So we were like, oh, let's make an early access game. So we're like, well, did any of us here play any? And none of us have. So we kind of went in blind, which is so dumb. Uh, but that's what we <laughs> that's what we did. <laughs> uh, so we launched with like twenty percent of the content because we're like, yeah, that's that's how you make an early access game, right? You you get the engine and all the stuff working so that when you're making changes, the community can have, have as much of an impact as possible. And that totally that totally backfired on us. So when we actually launched in early access, it was a very uh, difficult time, to, like to say the least. Uh, we launched, it did well, but then immediately everybody was like, oh, this is a, this is like a pump and dump, right? They're like, this is a, the, the, the low, most low effort project I've ever seen. There's only like one boss, right? And then we just got absolutely hammered, uh, mm. which was like super scary. We, we, we were just like, oh man, 
we really should have played them early in <laughs> this game. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, aside from that, like when we actually got into it, cause like the first five or six months, we were just like heads down crunching to get content out. Right. But yeah, after that, it was like, it was actually really good. We, um, we'd gotten feedback from like super giant on how to, 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 to work with the community and stuff, which was super helpful. And, um, uh, one thing we did, this was actually like accidental. They we were the people were just like, Oh, like what are your goals? Right? And I was like, Oh, I don't know. And I'm like, Well, these are our goals. Right? I just like said it in Discord. And then um somebody pinned it. I don't even know how to use Discord, but somebody in the community pinned it. So then whenever something wasn't happening, so like one of the things we said was like, uh we wanted every single boss to be like uh beatable without getting hit. Uh, with with any of the all of the basic weapons in the game, right? And then they're like, "Oh, but you can't beat it with the weird fabled weapons like the spoon or the the uh, ballistic bow, which is a bow you can only shoot on the ground." And we we're like, "Well, you know, that game wasn't made for that." But then they kept pestering, not pestering us; they kept requesting, <laughs> right? And that just led to a lot of like balance tweaks to make things like super viable, which was a lot of work, but like super helpful for us in the end which is why like i feel like a lot of the classes like if you you go online a lot of people have different favorites and there's no way we would have gotten there without like the the ridiculous amount of community feedback that we had gotten through early access and um like the they brought over their resolve system which is like this huge thing originally the the relics took away a percentage of your health like a tiny percent right and we're like, oh, we'll just, they didn't, like, nobody liked it. So we kept lowering the cost. And then nobody liked it still. Like, even if it only took away 10 HP, nobody would like it. Um, so it was like all of these things, uh, which we were like, yeah, it's a number thing. The community really helped us go, okay, no, it's something that we need to, like, reimagine from the ground up and, and tweak it. Uh, so that, yeah, so they led to the resolve system. They led to a few of the classes. The katana, uh, the samurai's katana, it was uh, from the community inspired. Because they wanted like an eldritch monster, and like we tried to make it, but it didn't work, and, and then you know just just kind of looped around to that. And um, they also led to the uh, the skill crit system, which like I'm super like happy with. Uh, that actually came about because uh, uh, crits kind of broke. Like crits were just standard crits, and they broke in the game. And then they brought up that stupid thing <laughs> that pinned comment they're like you said every every build should be viable but only crits viable at the end and i was like god why did i post this <laughs> no but it was good it was good it like those things like the, the community keeping us you know on track really really helped uh, uh make the rogue legacy the way it was ready to pop the question the jewelers at blue have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds and they're ready to ship to your door go to blue and use promo code listen to get 50 dollars off your purchase of 500 dollars or more that's code listen at blue for 50 dollars off blue code listen I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Great. And one, one thing stood out there uh, from, from what you mentioned, Teddy, that um, I'm interested to delve a little deeper on. You mentioned that Supergiant provided a little bit of feedback on the early access process. Can, can you share what some of that feedback was from the Supergiant folks? Well, they're awesome. They're awesome. And they just contacted us like out of the blue going, oh, hey, do you need any help? And offering advice and things like that. So one was the community feedback, right? They were like, you want a general community, which is super helpful. But when it comes to, to like getting uh, more detailed feedback or play testing the game, which has been like unbelievably helpful for us because uh, we, we get, we have a lot of bugs. <laughs> uh, they're <laughs> like, you want to like find, you know, 15 or 20 people and, and build like a, like a special community with them. Uh, so like we did that uh, and it was like unbelievably beneficial, unbelievably beneficial. Um, and they're awesome people too which was like we were we were like oh man what if nobody's there and they're like no you'll you'll get people you'll get people and it was just a lot of like and also a lot of like just encouragement from them which has been really great right because like we don't know about certain things they will say like oh our numbers are pretty bad and they're like no your numbers are numbers are fine your numbers are fine and stuff like that right just because you don't have an it's really hard to gauge your progress in early access right um uh, because the numbers are are vastly different from what you uh, get when you launch a title, uh, mm. but yeah, so like all of their feedback, all of their advice, like it, they really helped us prov- uh, stop us from gut going. Okay, we're let's gut like the let's gut the budget because like Rogue Legacy might not make it right. Uh, so super grateful to them on that stuff too. Yeah. And with with the early access process, getting the feedback and the testing uh, on the the classes, as you, you said, was very, very valuable. And for anyone who hasn't played Rogue Legacy 2, but may have played the first one, one of the biggest differences between the two is how the classes play in terms of how unique they play. They all play in a very unique way with their own weapon set, their own abilities and, and that sort of thing. And, and there's, there's such a variety as well to, to the way they play between the, the knight, barbarian, mage, ranger and so on. What, what was the, the process for designing each of these classes to be so unique from one another? I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. to say. I mean it's like the same way we made that our characters in, in FMF is it, it, it's just um, they have to be distinct they have to do something different like that's one of the core rules uh, but the hardest part is that they have to still be fun mm. right so like yeah we can make anything uh, but uh, if it's not like interesting to, to, to press the attack button then it gets scrapped which actually is severely limiting in what you can actually do Um but yeah, honestly, it's just kind of like a craft shoot. I, it's it's difficult to say because it's it's purely just you know going off of what you think would work and then trying to to go for that, or it's just going like um, 
we just asked the team, hey, guys, uh, what would you like in the game? Right? And so um, our art director, Matt Hamill, was like, oh, I would like to be a chef. Right? So then we were just like, okay, well, let's just try to get a chef working. And um, that actually took quite a while. <laughs> that was pretty hard to do. But like, it was just like, it doesn't, I'm, I'm more interested in the, in the challenge. Right? So like, that, was, that was always fun. Sean, our um, art lead, wanted to do a uh, the bard. <laughs> that one was, that was difficult. But I, I like the bard. I think the bard's awesome. And like, yeah, it's just a bunch of that. It's just a bunch of, yeah. All the characters I designed are the uh, plain ones. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the stereotypical ones. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's just winging it, honestly. Do you have a particular favorite class that you like playing as? I like the, well, the knight, because I'm like the best at the knight. I put like the most hours into him. Uh, he's the base for playtesting. Uh, but my favorite to play as is probably the ranger and the boxer because they're, they're really fun. They're really weird. I also like the ronin a lot. Um, just because he can, he's like super fast. But yeah, I like them all. I think the duelist is OP. <laughs> I, I don't want to nerf them though. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, if you get the chance to to practice the ranger, he can get really, really wild. His his talent is like the most. Uh, you can do a lot of crazy things with it. So I always enjoy playing as a ranger. Mm. Were Were there any ideas for classes that? were particularly challenging to implement or were were there any that you had to scrap because they didn't work we had a lich he didn't get scrapped so yeah we had a we had a bunch of classes where like we have to bring him in they're the most popular from rogue um the lich was one he didn't get scrapped but he got turned into the astromancer at the end the bard was really hard to design he took he took the bard and the pirate took the longest to design by uh by a fair margin we had to scrap quasi we quasi scrapped once again the eldritch he didn't even really get far the only thing and his weapon the only thing that was like designed and it was on paper was his weapon attack and that actually got put onto the ronin because yeah because it was like a better fit for the ronin the ronin actually used to have this really dumb attack (laughs) and then that got changed uh Oh, we scrapped the ninja. There was a ninja class. His weapon was just too janky. Uh, but I really would like to turn it into a fabled weapon down the road just because it's like it's like 85% of the way there. Um, but yeah, he got scrapped and just got turned into the assassin. Yeah. And as as you say, you, you, you know, want to potentially look at adding fabled weapons down the track and, and that sort of thing. How How has the reaction and how has rogue legacy 2 performed or or done since exiting early access recently it did really well it did way better than we were expecting like uh we're super super happy with uh the sales for rogue legacy 2 like it it did awesome it was definitely scary we we'd done a bunch of like research and analysis into numbers and we were tracking a bunch of stuff and we were like, oh, yeah, it should do well. It should do well. But, like, uh, we had, like, this fear of FMF where we had some tracking. And we knew FMF, when it was going to launch, wasn't going to do what, that well, right? But it also, like, did way below what we were, like, 
even our worst estimates. So we're always like, okay, it doesn't really matter. All these analytics, roguelikes do could just completely tank and come out of the gates with like, you know, like in the bottom 100 right off the bat. So that was like, it was a super stressful time, super stressful. Mm -hmm. But yeah, when it came out and it did well, it was like, yeah, it was cloud nine. It was really great. It was super relieving. Fantastic. And what's, uh, what are your future plans for Rogue Legacy 2 and Celador games going ahead? So we have to do some updates to the game. We, we have, we had, we have one really, well, stuff, cause we don't want to promise anything, but there was been one huge update. We really wanted it in during launch. Uh, it was just absolutely not possible. Um, we still don't even know if it's actually possible like to do, um, but that would be our first major update and it's going to be huge if we can get it in. But once again, I don't know if we can get it in just because it, it uh, changes a lot about the game or at least like from our end, from the engine side, it changes a lot, uh, but it'd be really awesome to do that. We're still not sure. We're probably going to do um, like a minor update because I do want to add some fabled weapons and possibly some spells and relics right because those are relatively cheap relics not so much they they had a million bugs <laughs> but spells and weapons are, are actually surprisingly like a little cheaper than those uh but then yeah then we do want to do the update which we can't really talk about just in case because i don't want to break promises if we can't do it uh and then it's a bunch of optimization work this is going to be weird because we've never actually had a team before <laughs> I mean, Celador Games has been entirely contract, right? It's me, my brother, and a lot of contract workers who we work like practically full time with. But uh, now we have full time employees, which is awesome. They're great. They're great. But it's like, what do we do for our next project? We've never done this with a team before, so uh, it's an uncharted territory for us. Yeah, how big is the team at the moment? Full time, it's like four point five. So it's me, my brother, uh, Caleb, the programmer, and Sean, a technical artist. And then point five is Matt, the art director, because uh, clearly a kid, right? So he's like, oh, I want to spend time. And we don't want to push him and make him lose like out on his kids' birthdays and stuff. So pretty small team, but that's actually like full time. One thing I'm, I'm keen to get your thoughts on, and we touched a little bit on this earlier uh, when, when you were saying getting getting feedback on, say, like the original Rogue Legacy where some people have said, oh, you know, XYZ game has come out since and does this. I know between the original Rogue Legacy and now the full release of Rogue Legacy 2, there have been a number of really great roguelikes and roguelite games, including... Dead Cells, Hades, and a bunch of other really great games as well. Have have you paid much attention to those games in in the time in between Rogue Legacy? Well, in between Rogue Legacies, and have you noticed much of a, a change or a shift in the genre during that time? Honestly, I don't really play a lot of roguelikes, and when I do, like I did play Dead Cells, I did play Enter the Gungeon, and I, I did play Hades. Hades probably the most. Uh, I usually quit after I beat them once, <laughs> which is, I know what you're not supposed to do for the genre. Um, uh, but yeah, there, there was a lot that I um, kind of just, you know, you just get through like osmosis as you play them. Mm. I do think they're going in a uh, 
Well, I, I wouldn't say they are going. They're, 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 very, they're very much splitting in genres. But yeah, there's a, I usually don't take a lot from like what I like, right? Because I, I, I'm, I'm more of a, like a, a negative, I guess, energy person. I just see things that I don't like and then I, I kind of want to design in that direction, right? So like, um, like a general problem, and this is a big problem. It's hard. It's hard for anybody to solve. It's the it's the, what I I call time burners, right? So like if you play all those games, uh, usually the first like first two or three worlds or floors or however they're they're structured, they're really easy, right? Uh, and you're just kind of doing them to get your character powerful and to find out how your character is changing, and uh, that's why I can't really stand them. Not not stand them. That's why I don't really find myself super invested into roguelikes it's just because it's like oh i don't want to waste 20 minutes before i get to fight this boss again or you know i don't want to waste you know 50 minutes in order to see this new room or see how the enemies attack me uh so that was one of the big things that directed rogue legacy too right was this concept that's why it's like when we added relics i knew from uh from a design perspective uh we needed to put in some type of trade-off to them, which is why we had health in the beginning. Because if you don't have that, then Rogue Legacy, you know, we put in all this effort for it to be kind of more or less a Metroidvania with roguelike mechanics, is what I would like say it as. Uh, it would just become every other roguelike, where you'd have to do every single floor even if the bosses aren't there because you have to pick up as many relics as possible because everybody's expecting that on your power curve, right? And that changed the equipment system, that changed, added to the resolve system and, and so forth and so forth. And it's 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 kind of those like, um, just like ephemeral, I guess, the uh, design issues, which helped uh, Rogue Legacy 2. Yeah, and it, it goes back to, to what you were saying about how you have a tendency to developing genres that you traditionally don't like or, or don't play or want to address certain shortcomings you, you perceive in other uh, other genres. And I, I think even with with the original Rogue Legacy, uh, it, it had elements of this and this continued in Rogue Legacy 2, the, the portal system in, in being able to, or, or Rogue Legacy 2 in particular, being able to unlock portals permanently so you could skip some of those early areas once you'd cleared them it seemed like a a pretty natural way of subverting that early world or early area grind to to jump straight into the next area that you wanted to to challenge or take try and take the boss or the the area on is is that one of the methods that you would see as addressing that um that aspect of some roguelikes you don't like yeah, for sure. And actually, one of the, uh, I mean, it's just a, it's like a, it's a portal system. So it's not like, but like to give credit where it's due, uh, a game that I did play, oh, I can't remember the game, but you're like this underminer or something. It's a roguelike where you, uh, you dig and they actually put in that similar system where they, you go down six floors. Uh, but if you want, you could just unlock a teleporter and they'll teleport you down six floors and then give you like 12 random relics to help speed it up, right? Which I really appreciated. Um, so yeah, so that, that was definitely like, once again, like these these kind of changes, which I, I play and um, just help inspire the direction that we want to go in with our games. 
is there anything else uh, you would like to, to mention about uh, Rogue Legacy 2 or anything that, that we haven't discussed that you'd like to bring up? Oh, the burden system was super heavily inspired by Hades. I mean, it's pretty obvious. <laughs> I just wanted to throw that out. I guess like one thing, just a minor thing, is everybody keeps calling calling it a grind game. That just makes me so sad. <laughs> just because it's, it's uh, like... Uh, we put a lot of effort to make sure you can beat it at level one, but like we do like, well, I like hard games, right? Uh, and the whole point of this RPG mechanic is to let people of all skill levels be able to beat the game, right? But like a grind game is a game where damage is unavoidable. You know what I mean? Like a turn-based RPG, those are grind games because eventually you reach a stat cap and it's just like it's just this is a skill game guys you know if you can dodge all the attacks you can beat them i've beaten them right that's one of our rules and it just drives me crazy <laughs> that's it never mind i'm defending myself on a podcast <laughs> uh you, you're preaching to the converted there because while well i i certainly do find the rogue legacy games challenging i feel that every every mistake is totally on me uh, I, <laughs> I, I know that when I take damage, it is, it is entirely my fault and I make mistakes quite regularly, but that's just the nature of the game. But yeah, yeah, that's, um, that's, uh, yeah, that's really interesting. And is, is that something that perhaps you've seen with, with speedrunners? Have you seen any or many no hit speedruns yet of Rogue Legacy 2? Uh, so that's the interesting thing when it comes to speedruns. I've seen people beat the game at level one, right? Like, I don't. They. I don't think they, they. They just reload if they're going to die, right? But like they beat it at level one. Uh, I haven't. Nobody's done a no hit yet. I mean, somebody did a no hit or not a no hit. Somebody did a full level one run of Rogue Legacy one, right? But that, even though it's like twenty five minutes, it took like five years before somebody did it. Just because it's like oh wow, extremely difficult to do. Um, but yeah, for speedrunners, because I've watched a lot of them. I wouldn't say unfortunately, but like it's just the case. It's like, you know, they'll beat like three or four bosses and then they'll kill themselves just because at that point it would be way faster to get like a short time if they pick a new character and then put in like, you know, 32 points at the strength versus the 20,000 gold they've accumulated, right? So yeah, I don't think there is a speed run level one because that would actually be very difficult to do. Like, yeah, and not fast. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, one question I like to to close out with with guests on high resolution is why should people care about video games? Because they're, well, I think they're the most interesting uh, form of pastime that you could be enjoying, and because they make you smarter. Or at least that's what the studies show. <laughs> so yeah, you should be just doing it for uh, health health reasons. That sounds as good a reason as any to me. Play video games for your health. It's a terrible reason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I play it for fun. I just play them for fun. Hold up. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.